Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. Episode 1601. <laughs> so we keep pressing on, right? Uh, yesterday, the previous episode, we saw Matthew chapter 3. It began with verse 1, and we were introduced to John the Baptist. So let me read these first three verses, and then we'll continue on, okay? Now, in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that was his primary theme, was that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You need to repent. What do you need to do? You need to repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he preached this. He wouldn't have just said this again over and over and over and over again. He preached the message. He would have given insight as to why, et cetera, et cetera. Now, verse 3 says this. For this is the one, and that's speaking of John the Baptist, referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So again, Matthew quotes from the Old Testament. This affirms, this confirms that John the Baptist was the one that Isaiah was speaking of that would come and make straight the way of the Lord. Now, verse four. Now, John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Well, that just sounds like a wild man, doesn't it? <laughs> so what, what, what do you envision when you see this? He had a garment of camel's hair. You know, we, we think that that is uh, sort of a rough type of thing and this kind of stuff, but not necessarily so. It's actually a fine garment if you do the camel's hair right, okay? It's just describing who he was. He had a garment of camel's hair, and a leather belt, which would not have been an inexpensive thing. Though, uh, obviously, he was in the wilderness. He lived in the wilderness. People um, think that he might have been an ascetic type of thing, a part of the Essenes, maybe. We simply don't know. But it says that his food was locust and wild honey. So he ate off the land. And, of course, people go, oh, you mean eating the locust? What are you, what are you talking about? Is this locust? And, you know, you'll hear people say, well, no, it's, uh, the locust is actually talking about some form of like a nut or, or something that grows on a bush, that kind of thing. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, he could have. He could have eaten the stuff that was on the bushes. Yeah, 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 I understand. But you know what? They ate locusts. Listen to what it says in Leviticus 11.22. These of them you may eat, the locust in its kinds, and the devastating locust in its kinds, and the cricket in its kinds, and the grasshoppers in its kinds. So the Lord had told the children of Israel that, that it was okay, according to their law, to eat locusts, to eat crickets, and to eat grasshoppers. Most of us go, uh, yuck. But, you know, some people say, hey, if you bake these things just right, if you eat them just right, you know. And, of course, there's a huge movement of food. I saw this other day on some news article that came across the interlinks, you know, um, or somebody's making a huge deal. Uh, of, uh, here's a 10-pound bag of bugs, 10-pound bag of bugs, and how this is so much better for the environment than this 10-pound piece of meat over here, you know, that kind of thing. So the bottom line is I think he was actually eating the locust 
when it says devastating locusts, that lets us know that it's talking about the animal and not some fruit of a plant. So his food was locusts and wild honey. He ate off the land. Okay? So he wasn't one of the refined Pharisees or you know, Sadducees or religious rulers or anything like that. He did not even live in town. Verse 5, Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan. So what does that mean? It means everybody was going out to hear him. Why were they going out to hear him? Think on that for a moment. Why would they be going out to hear him? Well, we can sort of explain some of that in the natural Right. You know, when there's a, a hot show in town, whatever it may be, the news passes fast. Right. Word gets around. Hey, you got to come hear this guy. Hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. But what was he preaching? He was re preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was preaching the word of God. And let me tell you something. When you preach the word of God, the Lord will bring forth the harvest to hear the word of God. He will bring folks to it. They will come. It's something that we rarely do, folks, honestly, within the body of Christ today. Rather than preaching the pure word, rather than, than depending upon the move of the Spirit to respond to the word, we think we have to be cute. We think we have to be relevant. We think that we have to do things to be attractive to people, to where they'll come and be a part of our church. I mean, it literally just makes me want to gag when I hear all these phraseologies. And I have to be careful because I know when people say it, most people who say that kind of stuff are very, very sincere and very desirous of people being in the right relationship with the Lord, okay? They are. They're desirous of that. But you do not lead people in the right relationship with the Lord by trying to talk them into coming and being a part of an activity or part of your group or part of something like this. You speak the word of the Lord to them. And you don't do it from the perspective of you need to come hear this person speaking. From the New Covenant perspective, if they are talking with you and you're a believer, you are the vessel and the presence of the Most High God. Speak forth the word. People will respond to the true word of the Lord. That's what was going on here. They were hearing, hey, this guy's out here. He's preaching this repentance, and people are repenting, and they're being baptized, and all this stuff is happening. People would flock to it from Jerusalem, from Judea, and all the district. So again, verse 5, Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized in the Jordan River, as they confessed their sins, as they were confessing their sin. So what were they doing? They were repenting. They were confessing their sins. They're saying, Lord, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, so forgive me. Well, what does baptism have to do with this? Okay, what does the baptism have to do? And we'll talk more about this as we go along. But it was the sign of that repentance, of that confession, Okay. John the Baptist, in some sense, and, and I think maybe in, the, in all senses, but I'm, I, I want to equivocate there a little bit because I know there's some debate over some things. But generally speaking, he was the last Old Testament prophet. And what do they all, always prophesy? Repent, repent. So he's prophesying over them, repent, they're coming. They are repenting, okay? And they're showing 
evidence of that repentance. They're showing fruit of that repentance by being baptized, a very vivid uh, picture of the washing away of sins, of coming up as a new creature, which become, will become even more relevant as we go through the Gospels, right? To see what the Lord Jesus Christ did. That's the reason that we have to be so uh, correct, accurate, and understanding what baptism is. Okay, so many so well-intended people are really quite confused over that. Okay, and it leads people astray. Okay, you're not saved by your baptism. No, 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 not at all. But, but, but baptism is a picture. And I love what Michael Heiser says about this, that when you repent and confess and you call upon the name of the Lord, when you are baptized, you are publicly declaring whose side you are on. You are publicly declaring to the powers that be within the heavenly realm, particularly the powers, the evil powers that be, that you are the Lord's. I got news for you. A 10-month-old can't make that decision. Okay? You are publicly proclaiming this. Something else. Other people can't make that decision for you. You make that decision, and you rejoice when you confess, you repent, you call upon the name of the Lord, for salvation, and then you're baptized, and you're declaring, I am a child of the king. This is whose army I am a soldier of. Okay, well, gosh, we'll talk more about this in the next episode, okay? Again, I'm Dale, and I will see y'all then. Goodbye.